This podcast contains explicit language and deals with confronting issues of mental health that may be triggering for some listeners. If you are having any problems, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. I recently spoke to UK psychologist Kate about using heavy metal as a therapeutic tool. Kate also runs the website Heavy Metal Therapy, a place where metalheads from all over the world can get together and talk about their experiences with heavy metal. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, The Demons Within. I have a special guest with me today, Kate, who's a psychologist who loves metal. How are you doing, Kate? Uh, hi, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. It's early here. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and it's later here, which is, uh, which is a strange thing, but it seems to be happening more and more as I get more international guests on the show, which is really cool, but kind of crazy at the same time. I'll start with the first question that I tend to ask all of my guests, and that's where did the heavy metal journey start for you and what did that look like? So I guess I was always quite, what should you say, alternative teenager. So I know that there are different words for this in different places in the world. So this may not make any sense to you, but at the time I was referred to as a mosher. A mosher? <laughs> and it was one of very few, yeah, a mosher. So that was like, I don't know what, I don't know what the word is. And bear in mind that this will have been like, what, the early 2000s. <laughs> so it's probably massively dated. But basically that just meant you're alternative and you liked kind of rock and metal music. And obviously it came with like a, you know, a uniform and things like that. So yeah, I was quite an alternative teenager and I guess sort of came back to metal when I was maybe sort of in my late 20s. At a time really when things were not great for me in terms of like I was quite stressed out and things were things were quite difficult. And I suppose, yeah, from there on in kind of had this idea that it seemed to be something that was quite helpful for my own well-being, self-care, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, stuck with it since since then. And yeah, I suppose that that's kind of why ultimately we, we started heavy metal therapy, because it was really about there is there seemed to be some people, myself included, who seemed to find quite a lot of solace in that, like more extreme music stuff. So I sort of based it on my own experiences but also you know talking to other people who seem to find the same the same thing I, I see where you're coming from there I want to pick up on something you just said there about your your 20s difficulties in your 20s more and more people that I talk to that are in their 30s late 30s and those sorts of things I'm seeing there's like almost a rite of passage uh in, in your 20s that sort of realization life isn't what I thought it was going to be has that been your experience in terms of those that you know your, your 20s for most people I can't say you know what it's like for most people but I think for me there was, there was a sort of transition point because I was doing my training to be a psychologist and I hadn't I hadn't been somebody who was really always certain what they wanted to do so some people really want you know really have a, a clear mind don't they about their journey and what they and what they want to do for a job and stuff I wasn't really like that and I you know, had a lot of doubts about various things I mean I love it now but at the time it was it, it wasn't as straightforward as that so I think I think for me sort of coming to the end of that and, and yeah that realization that this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life was yeah it was quite stressful and the process itself is quite stressful as well you know the actual training bit so yeah I think it was probably a bit of a yeah a bit of a rite of passage and weirdly enough I, I went back to the stuff like the music stuff that I'd liked when I was at a similar sort of period in my in my developing identity as a teen so like you know the stuff I liked when I was maybe 15 or 16 so I can remember like playing like Iowa by Slipknot, which was like at the time, 
like one of my favorite albums when I was a teenager and I can still now I can still go back to it now and still have that same that same feeling from it it's, it's weird it, it was it was really interesting I was reading something about sort of Spotify data and who was listening to what and they were saying that around the the that sort of formative years of you know 13 14 15 is when you created the tastes of music that you would carry on for the rest of your days which I thought was really really interesting because especially for me and a lot of the guests on the show we'll talk about you know growing up with heavy metal uh or extreme music in general i mean because punk i reckon should get a mention with this as well and i think we did that because we felt outcasted or we felt like we didn't belong and this was something that understood what we were going through and what we felt would you would you agree with that do you think that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, I do. And I think, yeah, so in Australia, for some reason, there is loads and loads of, of really cool research about heavy metal <laughs> and, and like mental health stuff. So you've got a bit like all these really cool people over there. Um, but one of the really cool people over there is someone called Paula Rowe, who did a research study on exactly this thing, which was about emerging identities, I suppose, in in, in like heavy metal youth, as she, as she describes it. And it was that it is that thing that comes up a lot, you know, a sense of not belonging, wanting a community to sort of fit, you know, fit in with. And it's almost, I think, you know, Rob Zombie was probably on something where he said that when he said that heavy metal is all the weird kids together. Yeah, I think I think that's really true. <laughs> that's that sort of thing. Going back to to this overall point that you were saying about you know going going back to your roots and going back to the music that you you used to listen to. Do you think there's something? psychological in that do you think there's something I, I suppose what i mean is you know going back to a simpler time i mean we tend to be nostalgic about our youth even though it might have been difficult we might have been bullied or whatever but we'll be nostalgic about it particularly when we sort of get late 20s early early 30s or whatever and then we sort of want to go back to that do you think there's something in that that sort of nostalgia and going back yeah i mean i do and as you say a lot of people are nostalgic for stuff from their childhood anyway or you know t- teen teen years or whatever for me there's something quite it's almost a little bit self-soothing in a way it's, it's like a return to, to a sense of who I feel who I feel as if I am which is a bit weird but that that's like when I go and listen to something like that I feel like it takes me back to some a time where I felt more certain in some of that stuff which is weird because when you're 15 you don't really know do you <laughs> who you are and it's just an emerging thing but I think when something becomes like music or whatever becomes so definitional in your understanding of that and your development of that it makes it's like a cue isn't it it's like a trigger then for you know that you know, this, this this reminds me of who i am i think there's that about it for me yeah that's really interesting I, i'm sort of thinking about yeah when, when you talk about identity around that and when you talk about community do you think it's just the community that that brings us to that or do you think it's more the emotional sort of trigger or reaction to the music that's there. I mean, nostalgic sort of part aside, I'm talking about bare bones listening to this music, you know, really, really heavy stuff. I'm talking about some of the stuff that's actually designed to just disgust you. Like it's not supposed to be melodic. It's not supposed to even have a consistent rhythm, you know, more of your grindcore sort of stuff. What do you you think draws people towards something like that in, in their lives? I mean, the research shows that there are two, there are two things that come through. One is about the community stuff that we've talked about and the other is around emotional processing so there is some suggestion that people kind of engage engage with extreme music as a way of sort of working through quite 
difficult feelings or quite intense feelings particularly anger I suppose might be the one that you that, that seems most most obvious but I think you know there's there's a lot of stuff in the sort of well-being circles if you like around like calming music relaxing music and music as a kind of distraction from difficult feelings and I think sometimes what happens with metal is it's almost the opposite of that it helps people to turn towards things or it helps them to kind of engage with stuff that that you know it's healthy to engage with on some level but in in a way that you know it matches the energy of it it matches the intensity of it so I think some people are drawn to it because of because of that you know there's a validation it matches something that maybe they they are feeling and I do think that you know there are some people who are just attracted to how how extreme it is you know that there's something about something about that and maybe even the concept that other people don't like it is quite attractive to some people anti-social tendencies you think no not so much that but I think again that it comes down to that you know all the weird kids together thing I think if you like go on the internet and you look at like you know memes about heavy metal one of the most popular ones is like oh your my music is nothing like your your music and it's almost like there's, there's a bit of a a pleasure in the difference isn't there yeah yeah and I, it always makes me think of uh the t-shirt thing you know when they when they see somebody who's not a metalhead wearing a metal t-shirt how upset <laughs> metalheads tend to get about it <laughs> oh, yeah. The yeah i know, I know. It's, it's like name one of their songs or whatever and and, and it's quite interesting and i i find it i mean I, i've spoken about this not on the podcast i've spoken about this with a few people and i think i've come to the realization that it is it is it feels like a a, a trashing of identity it feels like a you know you you can't join our club unless you do these certain things you know what i mean and what I find really interesting about that is that we even have clubs within clubs. You know what I mean? Like I'm a I'm a metalhead, but I'm a I'm a thrash. You know, I like thrash, or I'm a metalhead and I like deathcore, and I'm a metalhead. You know, and these things shouldn't mix. Um, even you know, I plan shows and those sorts of things, and and you got to be really careful who you select to have on the show because if it's too eclectic, people won't come. Which is which is really interesting for a genre that started out as we're all outcasts. Do you have any commentary on that? Or have you, I mean, do you have any opinion about, you know, the, how, how we've sort of become a little bit siloed? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it, that the, the subgenre thing. What we do on the website is, because, because it's kind of linked into social media, is we have quite a strict policy that says that we won't tolerate anyone trolling anyone else's taste. <laughs> So we really want things to be as eclectic as possible. And on the playlist, for example, it really is sort of wide, wide, wide range of stuff. But interestingly enough, in terms of moderating the site, that is the thing that I have to moderate the most often is people saying that's not metal or I don't, you know, we don't think that this belongs, this belongs here or whatever. And to be honest, over time, because people have learned that we don't do that, you know that they've stopped <laughs> people have stopped doing that and if you want to go and like troll bands or whatever there's plenty of forums that you can go and do go and do that on in fact some forums seem to exist for that very <laughs> for that very purpose but I think it's a real I think it's a real shame because as you say well you know it's that outsiders outsiders together together thing but let's let's talk a little bit about your website talk to me about you know where it's sort of come from and how it works and and you know what what led you to it and and where it's come to now yeah so I think Partly personal experience, like I said at the beginning, but also talking to people over time who were, you know, friends from the metal scene, but also like people that I people I'd worked with as well as a, as a psychologist. So sometimes I'd have clients who really liked extreme music, and they would describe this similar process of, you know, maybe it being calming or maybe it having had a really profound impact on them. And I can remember thinking that this this must be a thing. It's not just me. <laughs> 
it must, it must be it must be a thing and myself and a few other people from various backgrounds so there's some of us that are like I suppose if you like professionals by training and then some people who I'd say are more experts by experience in terms of have lived experience of mental health difficulties sort of came up with this idea that wouldn't it be good to have some recovery stories on on like initially we were just going to put them on Facebook but in the end they ended up on on the website and you know they could be anonymized if people wanted to but that people could share their experiences of their life within music and how it's helped them through sort of you know mentally tough times and things and things like that and really that was based on there's an idea in the recovery movement in mental health that sharing stories is, is powerful and that you know those narratives can be really helpful for other people so it was sort of inspired by inspired by that and originally, yeah, we just put a few of these stories on on Facebook on like a little page. And I thought, well, you know, it's a bit of a niche thing. It was a little bit of a hobby for me, like sort of hobby for me, embodied some of my interests. And I didn't realise what we were on to, as, as it were. So I thought, you know, maybe a few people will like this page. It'll be quite good fun. We can perhaps share some, you know, lyrics and songs we like and, and, and stuff like that. And I, I can remember telling one of the guys that's been involved from the beginning, this, this is not a big thing. It's not a big thing. You know, it's just a little Facebook group. And him looking me in the eye and saying, oh, no, this will be a lot bigger than you think. Because he just knew and I, and I sort of did, didn't really know what I was, what I was talking about at, the, at that time. And yeah, it did. So people started contacting me from all over the world. People that I didn't know that I'd never, <laughs> I'd never met before, started saying, "Oh, you know, I'd like to put, I'd like to put a story in, or you know, telling me stuff about their lives in metal or whatever." And yeah, it just sort of, it, it, yeah, it grew and it expanded. We started building playlists together, for example, that you know, based on different emotions. I started having a look at the research because I am at my absolute heart a total nerd. I always have been, always will be. <laughs> So I started looking at like, you know, oh, oh, is there any research about this? And I found all, you know, the, the Australian stuff that I was talking about before. I thought, well, we'll put that on the website as well. And eventually it's grown. So we kind of, yeah, we almost do our bits of our own research now or certainly like write academic, academic stuff. So there's a few arms to it. There's the sort of personal stories and sharing bit. There's the academic kind of bit. And hopefully we can, COVID's been ruining this a bit, but hopefully we can go out and sort of do some more like well-being stuff with with the metal community. I think I really like the fact that you're trying to normalise it through story and being very careful not to be too you know general about some of this stuff but i feel one of one of the things that we sort of miss when we're looking at social media and, and if that's becoming you know your your sort of primary connection with people is is story and it's one of those things that we really thrive on and we really connect to and i think it's really good to normalize some of these things you know rather than feeling like i'm a freak you know you see other people saying similar things to you and saying they feel the same way and you go oh i feel like that too and, and isn't that isn't that great that we can be together and we can do this it, it really does bring it back or it makes me think of uh bringing it back to the core of what heavy metal was before it you know, before it really took off, you know, the, the, you know, when Slayer came out and when Metallica came out and, you know, all, all these bands that would, were doing all these bits and pieces that made us go, whoa, you know, we can, we can do whatever we want or we can, we can look into being, being in a, in a sub, subculture, I suppose. Do you, in your experience in the UK, are you finding that, because I know you guys digest metal a little bit differently to the way we do, and particularly our local metal sounds very different to, to what yours sounds like. Do you find that, that it's becoming more accepted? Yes. And I think, 
I know that I've read somewhere that apparently metal is one of the fastest growing kind of genres now. So that there must be something going on <laughs> that people are more interested, more interested in metal. I think I think metalcore is quite an interesting thing in terms of how that's maybe more accessible in some ways, or, or that seems to be something. You know, like in in the UK, I see a lot of most of the new bands that I come across tend to be that sort of metalcore type or even this new new core stuff that's like maybe even a little bit softer than than some of the some of the metalcore things so, so yeah I do feel as if that's where the most of the growth is and perhaps that is yeah that's perhaps an expanding an expanding area for for UK, the UK I think yeah so it's really interesting that you you mentioned that point about uh sort of metalcore and sort of that new core sort of side of things because in Australia we have sort of really clear defined lines between uh, music that's very polished and sort of attended for almost you know general consumption or radio consumption I suppose and then you know this sort of underground that's 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 a really interesting sort of larrick and I, I, I might have to send you a playlist at some stage because <laughs> there's some really interesting stuff out there you were saying that a lot of your a lot of the clients that you had and of course I don't want you talking specifically about clients but sort of more generally you're saying a lot of the clients that you that you see tend to use heavy metal in a very therapeutic way in order to sort of exercise emotions and sort of go through can you speak a little bit more to that the the the, uh, the sort of positive influence that heavy metal has had on their lives yeah so I think and this is doesn't really specifically apply to clients I mean I work a lot with young people so it's sort of like older teenagers young adults who I guess probably are more likely to be in their metal phase (laughs) no some of us never grew out of that but you know I I suppose you know that population is perhaps more likely to be interested in that kind of music than some some of the other populations that people work with but this this isn't really specific to, to clients at all I come across this idea all the time that people say that heavy metal calms them down which it shouldn't do because it doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that you would want to listen to if you wanted to be to be calm. So it's almost this like paradoxical effect. And that's where I think this idea of people working through stuff seems quite relevant to me that, there, that there's some there's something about if you can channel it into that, let's say you're cross about something, if you can channel it into that, it kind of processes it in a more in, in a healthy way. And actually, that's probably better than pushing it away. So a lot of people, you know, have problems with like anger that they push away and then it, it, I often describe it as a bit like, a, a, you know, a Coke bottle or something. If you if you knock it over, if you open it up, it just totally explodes. If you build up, if you get a build up and build up and build up of something and, you, you know, you try and get rid of it, that can, you know, that can sort of, you know, backfire and you end up with an explosion of some of some sort. I mean, Lord knows teenagers do that, don't they? If you ask their parents, that's, <laughs> that's what they do. And maybe there's something within it that is that is you know channeling that that is processing that that's that's giving it an alternative outlet and then a lot of people talk about validation so I, I guess particular kinds of experiences and I think particularly experiences that aren't necessarily referenced that much in other music I always use hearing voices for this example because that's my area of expertise but it could be other things as well those things are mentioned a lot more in in, in metal music than most other kinds of, of music so for example working with young people who hear voices some of them will say well you know I, I could have a whole playlist of songs and indeed we do now have a whole playlist of songs metal songs that reference the experience of hearing voices so it's because they're dealing with the same topics do you think because I you know I, I'm thinking a lot of these experiences that you know youth are going through today seem I mean quite 
and most experiences, I suppose, can be traumatic. I mean, I think adolescence is actually quite traumatic going, you know, sort of growing into adulthood. And when you think about some of the extreme heavy metal that, that there is out there that people connect to, gen, you know, in these, these sort of early teenage years and, and moving forward, do you think there's a wider problem in terms of, you know, how we're growing up? That's really interesting because one, one of the things that the research says is that people with emotional vulnerabilities, let's say, might be more drawn to heavy metal music. So there was, in the early days when they started doing research on, on this, there were a few studies came out that said that heavy metal music caused problems like suicidality, for example. When in fact, these were, these tended to, and you're an academic, so you'll know about this, these tended to be correlational studies. And there was something about saying, well, okay, obviously correlation does not equal causation. But actually, one of the things that some other people proposed was that is this not so much about correlation and causation and more about the direction of the relationship is it that there are the people who have some sort of vulnerabilities or who who you know identify with certain kinds of difficulties are more drawn to heavy metal music is is that the way that it's it's working and there's more there's more to support that argument than there is the other way <laughs> the other way around so we don't think metal is causing these problems but we but maybe it's the case that there are some people who are already vulnerable who seem to seem to be drawn into that into that scene if that is the case and metal is growing in the way that we think it it, it is one hypothesis could be that maybe there's more people struggling now than there were before i don't know if that's true but I i do wonder if you know a lot of things have happened in our society that probably make it much more difficult for young people now yeah i i yeah i mean we could probably go on about social media and the negative impacts of that sort of um, politics and and some of these ideas and, and hypothesize about some of those but you, you know one of the things that you said there is emotional vulnerability I think I think that's a really confusing concept for a lot of people do you reckon you could elaborate on what we mean by emotional vulnerabilities yeah and I think the reason why I use that phrase is that's the phrase they use in the research but I think what they mean is people who are already at risk of having mental health problems or maybe even already do have <laughs> Have mental health problems. I think t- to make that simpler, I think that's what that's what that means. Because also, vulnerability isn't necessarily a negative thing, <laughs> um, and I don't want to frame it. I don't want to frame it as, as as that. In fact, I think a lot of what happens maybe in therapy, but also in 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 connection with music, is connecting with vulnerability in an appropriate way. So, so I wouldn't say it's bad. Thing. We'll bring it back to the sort of psychology of it all. Like when you're saying. You were talking about how it's almost a, a, you said it was a paradox to, you know, use heavy metal in order to relax. Are there any of the examples that you've ran into in your profession that, you know, there's sort of an anti-behavior that, that comes back to a, to a you know, a soothing or self-soothing situation? Or is heavy metal really the only thing you've bumped into that's like that? I don't think it is the only thing that's like that. I think there are probably parallel processes in terms of, other similar things that people might like like I often w- wonder about things like horror movies like why people watch <laughs> watch those or, or you know computer game you know I, I wonder if there's some there is some kind of parallels in 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 that I think for me just coming back to think about vulnerability but also relate relating to this is, is there's almost it's almost slightly contradictory isn't it that you get this this really kind of aggressive music that also conveys vulnerability and that again those two things almost sometimes don't seem to fit to fit together and we talk a lot about like a lot of the research talks about gender differences in metal and, and you know the long and short of it is more men are attracted to heavy metal than women are it's not to say that women aren't well, welcome and part of the scene but it just is that there are more men that like <laughs> that like metal than, than 
than there are women that like milk. And I, I sometimes wonder if there's, and again, I'm, this is just me thinking out loud and I could probably, you know, do several PhDs or something like this on, on the, all these topics that I'd love to know more about. But I sometimes kind of wonder if the aggressiveness of it almost kind of gives some men kind of permission to be vulnerable that there's something about that that almost cancels out this sense of you know some of the the really real stuff that's that's being conveyed or maybe scaffolds it makes it a bit easier to talk about there's definitely an element of that we've discussed with a few people who have been on the show this idea that you know we all get on stage and we scream about these horrible things that have happened in our lives and everyone headbangs and and sings along and screams along or whatever and then we get off and it's yeah good set bro it's almost like it's a it's a we've formed this sort of safe space but in a terribly masculine toxic way we're actually not addressing the thing the elephant in the room we're sort of doing it through the music but no one's sitting there to say you know oh i feel what you're going through or that touched me or i felt that or anything like that that we're very big on yeah man that was sick you know cool riffs you know and that that's pretty much it which is you know which is fairly in my opinion fairly consistent with with the masculinity that we have in australia that's that's very much you know stiff upper lip you know don't don't really talk about it or if you do talk about it, then you know you're a sissy or whatever, and that's that's kind of where it goes. Do you have similar stories uh, in the UK around that sort of stuff, or do they tend to be a little bit more liberal? I think they can be similar similar things, and you know, specialising as I have done over the years in working with young lads, a lot of the a lot of the time verbalising that stuff is, seems to be much more difficult than telling you something in a different way so for example I've used uh, like you know sharing playlists or, or sharing different songs sharing lyrics for people to you know do their timelines or you know share aspects of their experience and one person in particular that was you know quite a big inspiration for some of what heavy metal therapy became we, we sort of we, we did this thing where like you know he'd, he'd give send songs to me and be like you know can you listen to this because it's about this and one of the things he, he said was it's really really important that you listen to this when I'm not there like I can't like almost you can't sort of almost like look me in the eye and do this because it was too much you know it was sort of like too, too that seemed like too close and then yeah you could say well I want you to go off and listen to it and that seemed to be seemed to be different so I think what what you're talking about is yes it's in the songs yes people relate to them and that's something and that can be a good thing in itself but then there's another step after that isn't there which is where you then acknowledge that this is what you're talking about and then that's where you have the space to the space to maybe discuss it in some way or have some sort of helpful acknowledgement that this that this is what you're that this is what you're saying and that for me is where the sort of the potential well-being space around the, the metal community is that you know how do we do that how do we extend it from what's happening in the music to what's happening outside of it in, in the community that that extension has been part of my own frustrations in talking about you know doing this show beyond black that raises money i don't know whether you've heard of beyond blue before but it's a it's an Australian government organisation that researches mental health um, and tries to get rid of some of the stigma and, and those sorts of things. It's actually quite a really good website uh, for, with some really great resources. They also have like a call in service and things like that. So I run a I run a show that that uh, raises awareness of that, also raises funds for that. And my frustrations in that in the running of that show has been you know the 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 furthest that we've got over the past 10 years in terms of addressing mental health is just talk about it you know and we're finally starting to realize that sitting and talking about it whilst it's good as a first step it's not the only thing you need to do 
you know. And I think one of the th- one of the things that I really struggle with, and I see this on Facebook all the time, you know, you, you see things like, I'd prefer to hear your story than hear your eulogy, you know. And, and to think that just talking about it is what's going to what's going to fix it. You just got to talk about it, and it's and whilst that that is that is true, and that is a step. It's it's a it's just one of the steps of this overall journey. I mean, do you have any suggestions of what for any of the listeners out there that sort of you know might have mustered the courage to talk about some of the things they're struggling with? Have you got any suggestions of what they could do for next steps after that? Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm very wary. I can't give like specific clinical advice to to, to anybody, and it's a slightly different context, I think, in the UK than there is in in Australia, probably. And and one of my kind of bugbears really is is about a lot of people do stuff for what they call mental health awareness and it's usually although you know go and buy this t-shirt because it's mental health awareness and I think we're more aware of mental health now than we ever have been in terms of yes we know it's a thing (laughs) and that the 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 things that are often suggested are you know it's okay not to be okay if please just mention it to somebody and I think the problem is is let's say somebody you know has thoughts of of ending their life or whatever it's this idea that if you tell somebody that's it that's the last thing (laughs) and like there's no there's no you know there's there's nothing beyond that so obviously there are um there will be people who want to engage with services you know so that's you know your kind of therapies and 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 those those types of stuff normally that's accessed by a via your doctor or it certainly is in 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 the uk but i think yeah yeah i think a lot of people struggle with again sitting in this middle ground whereby they don't quite meet the criteria which can be quite high actually in the uk for accessing that sort of that sort of help but that they're still kind of really really struggling and what you know what happens to those people in the middle so this is where i think i'm quite intrigued by some of the peer support ideas about how you know how we can actually help help each other within within communities and I do think there is potential within music communities for for those things to those things to happen that's not the same as saying that people have responsibility <laughs> for, for that you know because obviously that's 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 a different that that's a different thing but I do think people are increasingly turning towards you know the more sort of peer peer support type things especially on the internet so there are there are some good there are some good places on, on on the internet that you can you can find that that more sort of interactive stuff. So not just telling somebody about it, but also you know having like maybe an interaction with somebody with somebody else having a having a a, a therapeutic conversation, even if it's not kind of therapy. I I think you're really right in this in this this point about it's it you know it's been normalized now and, and, and interestingly though i do find uh, and and when i whenever i advertise beyond black you know as as a as a show that's coming on and you know you pay for some some advertising or whatever it always comes back with comments of well stop listening to heavy metal and you won't be so depressed you know so there's still this sort of stigma around heavy metal even though we have a little bit more awareness around uh mental mental health uh, in general but mind you i i'd still say that australia has a fair way to go in terms of normalizing mental health particularly in the workplace i think it's just not accepted it's just not something that is catered for um you know things like mental health days and that are frowned upon in a lot of institutions which is really problematic really really problematic i think but i think you know when we talk about heavy metal as a as a alternative therapy we sort of talk a lot about mindfulness don't we i mean do do you find that you know yourself and your clients tend to be you know quite mindful as you're listening to heavy metal or is it just sort of something that sits in the background and it's just sort of on because i i'm i'm interested in the way people consume it do you know what i'm saying yeah 
yeah I, i'm obviously different people are, are different and will use it in different in different ways personally and speaking to a few clients about this i think a lot of them are this more kind of really tuned into the music type people and what what's interesting about about metal is although we talk a lot about concerts in the community and things like that is is that for a lot of people listening to metal is quite a private experience it's something that they do on their own and something that they you know they engage they engage with on on, on their own or certainly that's the mainstay of their of their metal experience and there are some people particularly young people again this comes out in Paula Rose research who identifies metalheads identifies part of the community and have never met another metalhead because it's all like in there, it's all in their in their bedroom, you know, it's, and and that becomes the kind of sanctuary, and the listening to the metal becomes the yeah the mindful the the, the mindful activity. So I don't know, but I think for some people that's that's definitely it. And in the early days, when I first started talking about this with people, a couple of clinicians that I knew said to me, "Oh yeah, what you ought to do is you ought to do do like a group, and everyone can get together and listen to listen to metal and talk about it and stuff like that." And first of all, a group of people that get together to listen to heavy metal is a gig. So that's that. <laughs> but secondly, the idea of that in a sort of more kind of support groupy kind of way horrified some of the people that I spoke to. Absolutely horrified them. No, no, that's not what it's about. We really don't want to do it like that. That's not that's not the thing. And that just then again made me wonder about what is what is going on when people are listening to metal. And for a lot of them, it really was this is a private experience. A lot of people seem to get really into lyrics I think you're either a lyrics person or you're a music person but that's just an opinion but yes for some people it's really you know I'm tuning into the lyrics and thinking about what, what they mean and stuff like that which you know that is mindfulness isn't it? yeah yeah I, I would think so I, I think uh, you know I challenge mindfulness a little bit from the perspective that I think for a long time mindfulness is seen as you know meditation that's that's how it's sort of sold you know you, you do yoga or or sit and meditate and i think there's a lot of people who just just simply don't aren't mindful in that fashion or don't like to be mindful in that fashion so i think you know i, I find it fascinating actually it's a really interesting thing you say and it's make me think i think the mindfulness thing is 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 interesting again because similarity to what you're saying really is I mean I'm not somebody that can ever that has ever been able to do mindfulness meditation like you know sitting and listening to the body scan or whatever whatever it is particularly not in a group because I spend so much time worrying about what I look like to everybody else I can't possibly relax so that's (laughs) that's one thing but I find you know personally my sort of mindful practice as it were it would be more in things like weightlifting I really like weightlifting I'm I'm not very good at it so I have to really concentrate (laughs) And that for me is like, you know, quite a sort of focused and mindful, mindful activity. But we've been quite critical of mindfulness over the course, the course of sort of like running, running the site. And not so much because of the tinkly music bit, although, you know, part of it is that we accept that not everybody likes mindfulness in that way. And that shouldn't put you off mindfulness because you can be mindful in many ways. But the way it gets used is like a sort of panacea or like sticking plaster for a lot for a lot of things. So, you know, like when people have really kind of very distressing experiences that could well be related to social things or political things, whatever, this this suggestion that you can perhaps cure all of that with mindfulness is, yeah, it, that's my other sort of soapbox, which I won't get on too much. But I do think that's part, I do think that that's kind of part of some of my reservations about it really in some ways or the way it gets used in 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 kind of mental health yeah especially the 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 cure all you know you just need to be mindful and everything will be okay yeah i thoroughly agree with you there i think we could do another podcast episode just on that (laughs) we're getting sort of towards the end of 
the end of this uh, this episode. Is there anything else you want to add in terms of sort of music and and using that as sort of a, a soothing or, or almost therapeutic tool? Anything that you think we haven't covered? Um, not really, other than just to say that you know I didn't realise when I started. This is going back to the beginning what a thing this would be and that's because I had no idea that there were loads of other people like me like some of the people that I'd met who seems to have this sort of thing about about music and music and well-being but particularly with extreme music and and, and well-being and I think that's what pe- you know what people find hopefully with it you know within our site and within the community is that you know they find some like-minded people and that that you know they they can you're not alone in the, this thing <laughs> really and that's that's the big thing. That's been the that's been the big power of it, you know. And that's that's amazing. So I, I don't I don't really regard myself as running it anymore. Is I just facilitate it. I facilitate other people to you know come come together and and do this. And it's, it's been amazing, really amazing. And somebody needs to do that. And I think you know on behalf of the heavy metal community, thank you for bringing something. You know that that that's sorely needed. You know that that facilitating that middle road that connects people i think that's that's really good so thank you so much for doing that for us and thank you so much for being on the podcast today i really appreciate it no problem it's been great thank you very much if this podcast has been triggering for you in any way please seek help by calling lifeline on 13 11 14